beautiful. I may ask you back up here again. I'm not sure. I'm glad I have just family here this morning. Because I think we need to talk first. You know, last month I walked in here and the place was packed and the heaven was open. Do you remember anybody here in here was here with me? What's going on in the room today, you think? Well, I can tell you, as last night was one of the toughest battles I have ever had to bring the word. Uh, I can tell you right now, I have no clear word from the Lord here this morning. And I think maybe God wants to talk to us, perhaps in a different way, and maybe he's teaching us something a little bit different. I know one thing. The warfare is changed, and the warfare is different, and growing more different, and increasing. Does anybody recognize that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, one of my favorite authors is John Eldridge. How many of you like John? I love John. I love John because he's so transparent, he's so alive to God, and he's so not, he refuses to settle. And he lets you know all about his battles, and he throws it all out there. And I love, you know, one thing he said that really was revelatory to me was when he said, you remember this, some, uh, I don't know whether it was one of his books, or I heard it on a CD or what, but he talked about the fact that he was mowing his lawn one day, and a spirit of lust just overtook him. Remember? And he said, I don't, I was shocked. He goes, I don't normally, that's not one of my battles. And he said, and the Lord showed him that people's warfare precedes them. And he realized that he had someone coming to his house shortly, and that was a battle that that person was in. So I say that to say, Last night, I was saying to the Lord, what is coming in here this morning? You know, and I think that it might be good if we kind of, just kind of maybe put our finger on. I mean, how many of you stand, sit here and say, you know what? I don't think you're crazy because I feel, I feel a heaviness in the room too. How many would say, okay, you're not crazy? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we started by declaring, and that's good, by declaring the truth about God. Joe did, uh, we did in music. I want you to give me one word. If you, first of all, you know, sometimes we're talking about, how many of you have read the, the chapter I, hand at, I handed out? I'd love us to chat about that a minute. How many of you thought that that was an amazing chapter? How many of you realized what we're not doing? Yeah, right? So, I mean, if we have to talk to mountains, we need to find out what it is that's going on. What is the mountain I'm up against? Because we've got to stop living up here. We're just mouthing the words we know we should be mouthing. And I'm not saying you do. or I mean, we, we're just powers kind of, you know, want to keep us there. Without really, I want to tell us this. You know what? This is a spiritual war, right? There are spiritual beings. Do you realize that your, your prayers have to go through 
the devil, the enemy territory. Do you realize that? No. Did you realize that? Okay. Remember the word tells us in Ephesians that there are spiritual powers in the, in the heavenly places? It takes, the, it takes a, the spirit to move through the atmosphere of spirits. So our good thoughts, our best ideas, even if we're quoting things from the Bible, unless it is, unless it is the Spirit of God, the sword of the Spirit, unless the Spirit is energizing us, that's why our, our, play, our prayers, we think, well, uh, you know, is it, you know, are we breaking through at all? I'm not saying you always feel that, but I'm saying we are going to have to learn a degree of warfare that I, I don't know that the body of Christ has. I've certainly got people I talk to, pastors, and, you know, we're all realizing. And, and, and you know, one of the things God's doing is he's getting his people, I think, he's getting us desperate. And I think he's getting us desperate and he's weaning us from all the things that we are going to and using in our lives to survive, get through, you name it. He's weaning us, and he's weaning us of the things that we've made idols of in our lives. So expect people that you really love to disappoint you in, this, in, in these days. Expect things that you've really looked at, things that you've really been looking to. Don't say it's all the devil. It's God in many cases. Just saying, you know, you know I, want to I want to get you, I, I want to wean you off of that fantasy. I want to wean you off of that lie. We need to be rooted in Christ. The church of Jesus Christ. It is not going to be our programs. It's not even going to be our, you know, our, uh, you know, singing our songs. Yes, we're all, you know, we're all here. God's with us. We know that. But God is, he is out to train his bride and to teach us how to war and to teach us, you know what, what he wants to teach us to? Who we are. Because if there's one thing you need in this warfare, it's confidence. You need confidence. And the one, the, one of the greatest things the devil is out to do is to take your confidence. He's out to take your confidence from go, out, out of God, to take your confidence out of people, to take your confidence out of yourself. You don't have to run around in your Bible a minute. I, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going, so, you know, hang in there with me. Revelation, popular chapter, verses 7 through 11. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, 
who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. Now, this account tells us some extremely important things. Up to that point, the angels had, the angels had continued to maintain their kingdom in the heavenly places, the, the, the um, dark angels. When the voice in heaven spoke and said, the, the accuser of our brethren, this was the brethren on earth. This is the church on earth. So you've got heaven and you've got the, you've got the brothers, you've got us on earth. We see one thing. Satan and his angels are not driven out without a joining of heavenly forces and the church. The church really is really ultimately responsible for, for the final eviction of Satan from the heavenly places. What do you think that means he thinks about? What do you think he's out to do at this moment? He knows this is going down. He, he knows the Bible better than we do. Brothers and sisters, I'll, I'll tell you his, one of his, I think maybe his biggest weapon against you, because we just read it. He accuses our brethren day and night. You know what that means? Guilt is, go, is something that you and I better learn to discern. I didn't even say learn to stand against. I said learn to discern it. Because half the time, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm in the middle of it and I don't even realize that for a while that, I, that that's, what, I'm, that's what, what the cloud is or that's what the, the power is around me. But I'm feel, you're, you're tempted to feel so guilty Listen, he knows that if you feel guilty, you cannot walk in faith. He knows if he can just keep you feeling guilty, he has totally sabotaged anything that you can do. Walk in faith in the kingdom of God completely. What you've done, what you haven't done, how do you respond to that? I'm going to go back to that in a few minutes, I think. But I'll tell you one thing that's on my heart. I think, I'll tell you, if you are a surface Christian and you're not really digging your roots into true revelation about who Jesus was and what Jesus did on the cross and learning to really hold that position, you'll never be able to stand with the onslaught of the tsunami that's about to hit. You know, one, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.30, he said, it is of God that you are in Christ Jesus. In other words, God, however, in his, own, in his own supernatural power, puts you and I in Christ when Christ, uh, in Gethsemane, in the cross, in his resurrection, in his ascension, we're in Christ. But you know what, brothers and sisters? I don't think... I don't think much of the time we're 
stay, we're, we're really actually, actually staying and standing in that position to do our warfare. He, there's only, there's only one thing this, that Satan cares about. There's only one name that, that Satan fears, and that is the name of Jesus. He fears, he fears Jesus because Jesus is the one that's already defeated him completely. The battle is over. There's no discussion any longer. Jesus has already been crowned. The battle is over. The victory is ours. We always triumph in Christ. But it is now our job as the church to enforce that. And any passivity and any other way that you try to enforce it, if you use your name, if you use your good thoughts, if you use your best, your zeal, if you use your best desires, but they're my kids and I, and I want this for them. I'll tell you, if you stand on any other ground but the ground of the finished work of Jesus Christ, you will get your head kicked in. And God is looking for us to get absolutely to a place where we are daily and hourly and so uh, taking that stand and so getting our feet rooted and grounded in that position in Jesus Christ. Now, when I say, you know, when I say this, this is not, this is not to bring fear to you or to me. I don't believe God. I have trouble sometimes with prophetic words that bring fear to the body of Christ, whether they come from my mouth or anybody else's. God's not trying to, to, to frighten us, but if you have cancer, you want to know it to get it out. And denial is not your friend if you're going to put your head under the covers, right? Well, we would be putting our head under the covers if we don't recognize that the battle is heated up, and God is looking for us to learn how to use our weapons, to learn the lessons we have to learn to overcome, to overcome. You know, I, I had a revelation. I was telling Joanne the other day, I had a revelation the other day. It's kind of ridiculous to even say it. It feels so really dumb. But I always had this thing like, Lord, every time you... Every time I get to, the, to a place in my life or a level, I think, you know, where you wanted to move me on, you know, I would feel God was saying one thing, whether it was to, for Joe and I to stand to see the church resurrected after it fell apart, or whether it was God calling me to move into wholeness in the emotional arena. Uh, and it could be any area of my life. I've always said to the Lord, Lord, I think this is what you're saying. I, I, I've done everything I know. I've waited on you. I've, I've asked you for your word. I've gone to elders. I, I've, I've done it. But Lord, could you make it really clear to me what you're saying? And it always seemed to, always seemed to me like once I made the, once I, I, I went through and said, okay, that's what I think you're saying. Come hell or high water, this is where I'm going. Then God would always confirm it to me. And I think, you know what? Wouldn't it be easy? God, wouldn't it be nice if you let me know before I go through all that? And tell me this is, you know, let me know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is you. Well, it dawned on me the other day. You're all sitting there. You're all much more spiritual. You, you get it probably just listening to me. The other day, duh, the light bulb went in my mind. And I thought, oh, then I wouldn't, it wouldn't require faith, would it? Would it? 
would it? Where are you that God is requiring faith for you to go to the next level? Because he's telling you it's in your spirit and you could ignore it and I can ignore it, but I want to tell you this very meeting is me putting my foot in the water. The meeting I called last December was putting my foot in the water, saying, God, I, yeah, yeah, this is you, you think, I mean, it really is. Because it's, it's come out of a burden that says, God, if we don't learn how to pray, if we don't know how to pray together in this place corporately, we're, we're done. Listen, what is God burdening you? What are you sensing? What is God trying to, you know, many times your burden comes, how do I find out what God's saying? Well, what's disturbing you? What are you looking at and saying, this has got to change? Because brothers and sisters, we have got to be people that know how to pray. To pray. And now, I handed out that chapter. Now, we know how to pray and we know how to inquire of God. We need to. We know how to petition God and don't we need to? Of course, we need to do those things. They're part of prayer. Uh, Timothy talks about the different supplication, petition, intercessions. But brothers and sisters, what I want to, what we're talking, I want to talk a little bit about this morning, I think, is authoritative prayer. And that's what the chapter was about from Watchman Nee's book, Prayer Ministry of the Church. What is authoritative prayer? Well, let me tell you. And my, I'm going to just do my words. I'm not going to give any fancy definitions. I'm going to tell you from my own heart. Authoritative prayer to me is I have now asked God. I am now pretty, I'm clear that this is what God wants. Now you have to take it. It's like sitting down to a dinner with everything spread out on the table and looking at it and admiring it, but never taking it. Authoritative prayer is going ahead and, and knowing the will of God. I'm not talking about, you know, um, just dialing up God and deciding everything you want and just telling God he has to give it to you. You know, do I even need to repeat that in this church? Now, we know that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about knowing the will of God and then taking it, taking the authority that's ours. Do you know why he wants you to be so guilty all the time? He doesn't want you taking that authority. Brothers and sisters, the beautiful name of Jesus, his human name, don't we love it? We love his human name. I can go to him anytime and he's there for me. He's the, he's the door for a human being to touch God. But brothers and sisters, that name is also the exalted name over this whole universe. And the most amazing thing is not that Jesus is exalted. The most amazing thing is that I'm exalted with him. And that if I do not understand my place in Christ, if I keep talking like a beggar instead of his bride and his wife, if I keep talking like the widow woman that, and I keep seeing myself as the widow woman banging on the door and don't see myself as his wife and his bride, the Esther who put on her beautiful robes and went to the king, dared to go to the king. Brothers and sisters, the king is calling us. The king is calling us to take our place in the throne. 
with him. And from that position with Christ in that ascended place, we are the church. We are to be those. Listen, there's no other place Jesus lives on this earth. The only head he, he is to is to the body of Christ. And I thought about it the other day. I mean, the body of Christ, Lance did it beautifully in, in that article we had a few weeks ago. I mean, my, my hand goes to do something. It does it in the name of Linda. My foot goes to do something. I, I do it in the name of Linda. I mean, my heart, this is my body, but it's connected to my head. This is all one. All, we're, all, we're, all, we're all Linda together. We've got to recognize our union with the risen Lord. And Satan always wants to separate you and me from him. Now, brothers and sisters, you know Ephesians? It starts out with, you're seated with Christ. Christ is seated in the heavenlies and you're seated with him. Then it says, now walk that way. Walk, your, walk in your daily life, pleasing to God and in holiness. Sit, walk, and then stand. Now stand against the enemy. I, I want to tell you that we have got to really have that, those positions worked out in our lives in a uh, um, revelatory way. The first thing you do in any battle is you sit down. And you sit down and say, I am in the exalted Lord. The victory is already mine. I already have it. And, you, and that doesn't mean you're not waiting on God. You're, of course, in your, your position and your intimacy and your personal relationship with him, you're, you're in that relationship, but you're... you're in that position with him that you're the bride and you're seated with him. He didn't make us just priests. He made us kings, dominion. He is looking for the group he can give uh, power to in the millennium. This is all about you and I and the throne. It's all about we won't have anybody to blame when the millennium comes and he says, you were faithful in these 10 cities. Uh, you were, I'm sorry, you were faithful in what I gave you to do, as small as it was, take 10 cities and rule over them. I mean, we have got to, God is teaching us how to rule. And you rule through prayer. You rule through the throne. Somebody said, Jesus spent 30 years, you know, in, in quiet, his quiet human life. Three years in a ministry in a dynamic ministry, and 2,000 years in intercession. Add that up for you. Intercession is where it's at. Intercession is where the work of the church is. Intercession is where the church says, I take the finished work of Jesus, and I take it, and I bring it here. Every place the sole of your foot treads, it has been given to you. That means when I know it's the will of God, when I know there's something going on in one of my kids' lives, or I have to, I, I, when I know what the will of God is, I know the will of God is for them to be saved. I know the will of God is for them to be whole. I know the will of God is for them to know the Lord Jesus. I mean, there are things you just know. Well, we need to take them. We don't just keep asking God all the time, God, will you do this? God, will you do that? God says, I've, listen, you speak to that mountain and you tell that mountain to be cast into the sea. It's already done, now you do it. 
We, it's, a, it's, a, it's God and the body. It's the head and the body. We're, to, we're joined. We are the, the vine and the branches. It's, just, it, it's one, it's one uh, organism. But we've got to know that union. We have got to know that union with Jesus. If you're fighting your own battles and you're not taking your position in Christ, watch out. Be careful. Be careful. You, we should always be covering ourselves. We should have done it before we started this meeting. Father, I do it right now in the name of Jesus. We are, we, Lord, we just take the, the blood of Jesus to cover us right now. We take our position in the, in the finished work of Calvary. We are in Christ Jesus, seated with him in heavenly places. We've been crucified in Christ, and we've been raised again to new life. And that resurrection life is mine today. I don't care what I feel like. I don't care what I feel like. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you. I mean, every time I had to walk that walk to the new level, it was, did I feel it? Did I feel powerful? I just wish I could be some of these Christians I hear about all the time. They feel so powerful. They just, you know, they just, they just, they got the victory. All the, I mean, listen, I'm doing it by faith. Let me tell you something. I'm doing it by faith. And, and sometimes, I, you know, sometimes it's backed up by my feelings, but a lot of times it isn't. I don't think you ever see me get up to that pulpit when it's backed by my feelings. I'll be honest with you. But that doesn't matter. I just have to stand in my position and obey whatever God, I believe God is saying to me. You cannot afford, nor can I afford to be passive this year, to sit back and be apathetic this year, to sit back and wait for somebody else to do your warfare for you or your kids or your grandkids or for your physical healing or for anything else. We have got to be taking what is ours. We've got to be speaking to mountains and tell them to be cast into the sea. We are commanded. We are charged to do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the one who's sitting in that place in the throne. We are accepting too many things. Too many things saying they're just natural. I'm just tired. I'm getting older. I'm just a little down. Uh, some, you know, listen, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Luke 21, I don't even The last few verses in Luke, I'm not even going to go there to read it. You know it. He's, it's Jesus himself. It's the same. It's now Luke's version of Matthew 24 where Jesus is talking about the end times. And he says, watch and pray. And he says, pray that you'll be worthy to escape what's coming on the earth. We're going to be, you know, if you're not really anxious for him to come back now, trust me, wait, wait a little longer. We're all going to be really happy to see him. Excuse me. But then he goes on to say, remember? He goes on to say, and oh, I've got to read it. Turn to Luke 21. I don't, want to, I don't want to disgrace the word of God here. And where are my glasses? Does anybody know where my glasses are? Are they on me? Oh, there they are, and probably on there. Oh, now you know what Joe lives, lives with. You have to pray for this man. Listen to me. Now this, as I'm going to tell you, was came home to me so strongly the other day. I'm reading from Luke 21, verse 34. But take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves, city on a hill lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares, or you can change the word to worries 
or you can change the word to duties of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. That means if your position is on the earth, Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And, and this, is what, this is what hit me. Well, I've looked at those verses, you know, many times with, the, really, Lord, the cares of this world with carousing and drunkenness, and really, you're putting them in the same category? But this is what came to me. Corrie ten Boom said, it came to her one day that... Worry was a sin. And she said that really changed her, that worry was a sin. Well, I've kind of on and off known worry was a sin. It didn't change me. Sorry. It hasn't, you know, it, it, sometimes I feel guilty or I try to tell myself that. But, but I want to tell you why this verse has power to me now. Seeing in the lens of the last hour that we're living in, the cares of your life right now, the devil is working in the cares and the worries of your life to keep you. You made it today. I bet you had a lot of reasons not to get here. I bet you had a lot of things going on in your... If, if Christ is not my first priority, if I have not made a decision that I am... Listen, I don't know about you, but it's like, you know, one kid, one family another grandkid there, you know, this happening. I mean, the tendency is you can be worried from more, the morning you get up in the morning till the time you go to bed at night. Does anybody want to say amen and make me feel better? It's not just me. This is strategic, especially if you gave God, and if you told God you want to be an intercessor, and you told God you want his burdens to, to release and pray, I want to tell you, you and I have got to understand his strategy is to just keep throwing one ball in your hand and, and another ball in your hand. And I want to tell you, we have got to learn how to stand and we've got to learn how to trust God and we've got to learn this is an enemy. How many times do you find out you spend so much time worrying about things that turn out to be absolutely silly? Is it just me? I mean, the devil comes on with this big growling and shows you all the pictures of what it's going to be like, and, and he shows you the end and the horror and the, and the nightmares. And he had you busy there. For how, how long did he have you busy there? Now, of course, we're not saying we don't have cares and, 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 and responsibilities and, uh, in this life. Of course we do. But Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about so many things. This is a strategy at this hour that is going to increase. And every Christian is going to be tested here. We're being tested here. We'll continue to be tested here. Because he will see to it that he keeps you worried about something. I had some good, good opportunities the last few days. But this kind of came real to me, like, in a new way, maybe about four or five days ago. Like, whoa, in light of the last days, Lord, I really, I got to stop, I got to stop worrying. I got to stop, 
you know, to the degree that I am, yeah, I go to God like you do. I give my, ca my cares and burdens to God, but then sometimes I, t I take them with me too, you know? Sometimes I feel that as a grandmother particularly, it's my obligation to take them with me. You know, I kind of got past my kids. Is there any here? There's nobody here in the room. Uh, one back there somewhere. My kids, ah, you know, make it on your own, you guys. But my grandkids, well, that's another story. But you know what? I need, well, you, know what my, you know what my grandkids need more than anything else? You know what your kids need more than anybody else? They need a parent and a grandparent that's standing in faith for them, not worrying about them, but is standing and holding up the finished work of the cross and bringing the kingdom to bear in that situation and saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, that kid's having a bad time in school, and I take your kingdom, and I, we bring it to bear in his life and say, Satan, no spirit, no horde of demons may come in and use this now in his life. No foul spirits may come in and touch this kid as he's working this out. I put the blood of Jesus over him right now. Cover him, protect him. Our kids and our grandkids don't need worried parents and worried grandparents. They need people of faith. People of faith that are speaking to mountains and believing God. And, and you know what? And you, can't fake, and you can't make that faith happen, can you? I tried all last night. I tried to work up faith all last night. I did everything I knew to do last night. And then finally it was like, you know what? I'm done. I must have looked like one of Elisha's, the prophets they killed, you know, cutting themselves, dancing. I did everything I knew to do, you know? I, mean, I didn't. And then you've got to stop and say, you know what, Lord, I'm just coming back to my place of rest. I don't know what, listen, I'm trusting you and I'm obeying you as best I know how to do. But brothers and sisters, if I'm hearing from God, he's telling me to get my feet in the water. I don't know. I shouldn't even say this and definitely not put this on tape. But you know what I really imagine in my in my. my it, it, she can edit. Mary's going to my good. Oh, there we got Rachel. I just want to get a bunch. You know what I want to see? I want to see this room filled with mothers. When I close my eyes, I see this room filled with mothers and grandmothers. And you know what I see? I see us all crying out to each other. I say, Lord, is that, is that what we're going to do? Is that, is that what's going to happen here? But you know what? I know. Listen, have you gotten to the place yet? Because if you haven't, you will. There's nothing else to do but pray. No, are you, really? Are you there? Because if you're not there, you're going to get there. And he's teaching us the prayer of desperation. He's teaching us the prayer of desperation. When you've given up on everything else you are looking to and everybody else you're trusting and you are desperate you know, Joel, in the book of Joel, it's and come with weeping and, and sackcloth and ashes and weeping. And, and then the, the outpouring of the Spirit comes in that book. You know what? I think God's letting the church get really, really desperate. Because I feel a sense of desperation coming into me. Are you? Like, God, there's, there's really no, there's, there's, there's no answers. And there's no answers for the people I love and the church I the people in the church I love. It's like God saying, yeah, I know. I know. That's right. This is not a dress rehearsal. People 
you and I can save the eternal destiny of souls if we will let God lead us and we will obey him. Heaven knows Middle Island and this, this, this area, they need a covering of a church that can touch the throne, get through the spiritual atmosphere by the spirit and, and touch God. And touch God. So he wants, he wants to, he wants to keep you down by your worry. He wants to keep you down by keeping, keeping, taking your confidence, taking your worry, and also by distracting us. If there is a dominant power of a, of of every age, I believe many of us do. The spirit of our age is busyness. I'm telling you, you and I have a decision. I'm making baby steps, but I'm making them. I'm getting radical. This is what I'm doing. I'm getting time with God more than I have. I'm embarrassed to say, probably in more time than I needed to wait. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting radical and desperate, and I just want to hear from God. I need you, God. I, nobody else. I just need you. And I want to be available to you for your burdens in this world and your burdens in the lives of the people I love. Maybe not their burdens, but your burdens. I heard somebody say, I haven't worked with it, so give me a, give me a little uh, mercy here, but... When Jesus said in Matthew, you know, you know, see to it, oh, it was Lance Lambert who said this. I think I'm quoting him correctly. See to it that, you know, you're not, um, in Matthew 24, um, let me find it so I don't do harm to that. Matthew 24, you know, the Lance, his, um, Lord himself speaking at the end of the age. And pray that you, your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Uh, this is what Lance said. Isn't that amazing that you have something to do with that? That you actually, he's actually telling you that, that this, is, this isn't a, a, a solid line. In other words, your prayer and your, you actually have something to do with when that takes place. I don't think any of us want any, anywhere near the responsibility we really have, that God really wants us to have in, in cooperating with him. If we had any idea of the, if we just really had a revelation about the power we have to change the world, to change things, why else do you think, why is this room not packed? Why? Because we really don't, you know, prayer doesn't work. Listen, speak to the mountain and command it, 
and command it and command it and command it and command it. Because Jesus himself had to pray three times before he was clear that this was the Father saying now to, to the cross. Paul the Apostle had to pray three times when he was asking God to remove the thorn. Remember, we have to command the devil, as soon as you get vulnerable, I, I just read this in John Eldridge's book the other day. That's what I love about him. He said as soon as he got vulnerable after, a, after an accident, he has two arms in, in a cast, he said that's when you're vulnerable to make an agreement with the devil. Like, oh, prayer doesn't work. Or where is God? When you are, when, when things aren't going good, and you are vulnerable, be careful of your agreements with the devil. Prayer, oh, what, what does this do? He's out, to, he's out to get your faith. He's out to rob you of your faith. And, when things, and then when things are happening, that's the time you're vulnerable, and Satan knows it. And he comes with his little speculations and imaginations, and he does it to divide the body of Christ. And we're so sure we know, why didn't she say hello to me the other day? I think she definitely snubbed me. I, don't, I think she saw me and turned away. That's what I think. And then somebody comes and tells you, you know, oh, so-and-so had a terrible attack of something and they were rushing out of the church because they were sick. I mean, I mean this is all fake, you know that. I'm saying, we're so sure we know what we're seeing. Speculations, imaginations, put on your helmet of salvation. We need our armor brothers and sisters, because we're, he's so busy trying to talk to us. And if we're not people that are awake and alive to God and alive to my own heart, that's why I said it's not just enough to say, you know, we're going to talk to mountains of hopelessness and mountains of fear. If you're totally out of touch with the fact that you're filled with fear, oh, how are you going to speak to that mountain? You know? So you, you need to get sit and quiet with God and say, what is going on in me, Lord? What is it right now that I need to, I need to just give to you and then you know, resist the devil and he will flee from you? I don't want to embarrass you, but how many, when was the last time you resisted the devil? You know, I find sometimes I, I'm going to one and I go, when was the last time I resisted the devil here? I'm just accepting that it's natural. I'm accepting it. And I'm not even rec Brothers and sisters, I, you know, we say it all the time. And maybe because we say it all the time, because it's true, we're in a war. And whether you want to fight or not, you're in the war. Whether you want to use your weapons or not, you're in the war. Whether you want advance the kingdom or not, you're in the war. You're not getting out of the war. You can just decide, oh, it's a very dangerous time to be passive. It's a very dangerous time to be passive. We need each other, don't we? We desperately need each other. We need each other to love each other enough to say, you know what? Can we talk? Can I give you some feedback? Because I kind of think you're looking like you're, everything okay? You awake? <coughs> Yeah, he wants to tell us that he gave us keys. He gave us keys, and they're sitting on your dresser. 
and we don't know where our keys are. You like me, always running around looking for my keys? I hope that is not a prophetic illustration, but it probably might be. He gave us keys. There are doors that we are standing at, and we're just standing at the door. Just standing at the door, looking at the door. Yeah? It's the door. It even has the door in the wall. But I don't have the key. I'm not using the key. There are things that God wants us to shut. And there are things that God wants us to open. And he gave us authority to do it. Now, do you think, don't you think somewhere you're like, are you like me? Like somewhere in the recesses of, recesses of my mind, it's kind of like, you know, when I'm in one of those kind of more, you know, apathetic places, kind of like, it'll get done by somebody. Or somehow it'll get done. Okay, cold water. Some things will never, ever get done unless you do them. There will be, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, stand before the Lord and find out all the doors I could have opened in the lives of the people I loved and my own life that God God would say to me, Linda, I gave you the key. I gave you the key. I don't want to find out that I could have closed doors that I never closed in your life. This isn't just personally. This is us for us, us as a church. There are doors in our area, in our country, that God's looking for intercessors to use the keys he gave us. Of course, we do that always very carefully under the direction of the Spirit in our position in Christ. And we don't do it lightly, but we need to do it. It's in the Word. He's called us to do it. It's called executive prayer because it, it's, that's what kings are. He's made us executives in the kingdom to um, execute his will. In other words, you can just sign, you can sign your name. Listen, what does a wife do? The day after you get married, you sign that name, and you got the rights, unless you did it prenuptial these days, but... You got, the, you got all the rights of that man you just married. You took his name, and you've got, you know, you've got all his resources right at your disposal. And when people see you, I want to tell you, just in a funny way, when people see Elaine Canis, they don't see Elaine. They see John. And what Elaine wants, Elaine gets because they see John. I've been there with her a thousand times. When she signs that name, Canis, everything's, everything's different. It's pretty weird, right, Joe? Kind of scary the way people are treated. Mm. Brothers and sisters, you took his name. You can sign. You, can, you got the power to sign an executive order as God gives you his a mind to understand his will in a situation. We then, executive and authoritative prayer is then 
moving in action. It's like taking the rod that Moses took over. The rod can also stand for the, the, the name of Jesus, the authority that God gives us. When, when he took that rod and, and, and put it over the waters, that rod is, is the name of Jesus to us. The weapons he's given us to move in authority and to see things change. I want to I give you a little time for those of you that may have read a little bit, in that, uh, just to open the floor, just to know what's, what, because this isn't, uh, I'm sure you've got great things to share, and I, I don't know, I'll, I'll see if there's anything else in my heart, but how many of you, anybody want to say what particularly stood out to you when you read the chapter from Prayer Ministry of the Church about mountains being cast into sea? Anything particular that you were like, you want to share with us, like wow, or yes, Mylene. Yes. Yes. Oh, Eileen, I so agree with you. I mean, there. You know what? The people that understand that the most, they don't pray very. They don't pray um, quickly. They don't pray haphazardly. They pray very focused. And I want to be more focused. In I mean, there are times we're declaring, you know, we're declaring the word in certain situations. But you're so right. Because, and, and 1 John tells us that. Um, if we know 1 John 4, um, somebody might quote it for me, that if, we, if you know the will of God, you have, if you have confidence, then you have confidence to know that he hears you. And that, you know, that he'll do what you ask when you know it's the will. So the first thing for us all the time is, Lord, settle me on what, what your will is here. There is nothing more important than the will of God for us. Nothing. There is nothing safer. There is nothing higher. There is nothing uh, grander. The devil will do anything in his power to make us think, oh, be careful, you're going to surrender to the Lord. You know, I don't know. And he's going to, what he's going to, all these things, you know, all the things the devil wants to tell you. The will of God is the safest place in the world to be. Mel. Knowing that I have the power to command a mountain to move, I think personally there's been so many times where I pray a little too um, general or surface. Yes. And it just struck me um, last night I was reading it, and I said I felt the Lord convict me that it's not a surface prayer. You know, I could pray general for my children, but I know deep down when I have to go into my own heart and soul and what the, you know, and ask the Lord, what, what is the exact mountain that I have the authority to pray against and command to move? Um, it just makes me more accountable. And I know you've shared from the pulpit, and I've heard so many times that 
when we hear something, we're now accountable for it. You know, I have to answer to the Lord because I know this now. So it was such a revelation just for me personally that I need to spend more time sitting and listening for him and knowing exactly what mountain I have to pray against. And no longer just a general overview. Yes. It's yes. There are specifics, you know. And yes. the, I feel like the closer we are to the end, the more specific yes. he's yes. requiring me to be yes. in so many aspects of my life. Absolutely. And, you know, so many times for me, you know, remember John, um, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be a spring within us. And you know what that means? It's up sometimes, the spring is up, all of a sudden it'll spring up, and other times you're not really aware of this. It's a spring, right? It's a river that springs up. And for me, there have just been times in my life that I could, all of a sudden I was praying about something. And, you know, m many of you know our history around here. And, and when John, uh, we had a professor who was thinking of giving him a C in his law school year, and that could have knocked his average to a place where he could have been kicked out of law school, and it was... I mean, I just remember that summer, we wouldn't know until the fall, I, I think, what the result was. I'd walk around and say, no. I say no. I say it's not going to happen in that God did not lead, lead him here. To, I mean, I would just, and you know what, and every once in a while I think, is that I'm okay? That's right. But you know what? Faith was there to do. It was taking it. It was speaking it. It was, uh, you know, it was, listen, you know, the blood of the lamb for the Passover meal was in the basin. But somebody had to take that hysop, dip it in the blood, and put it on the house. Your words, your, your words of faith, your speaking, your declaring is the hysop that takes that finished work of Jesus and says, it's over my house. This is, uh, this is over my kid in the name of Jesus. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and he's my strength. I will say it. You know, he doesn't want you to put it in words, does he? He doesn't want us to speak it. We need to just have, we need to just get together with people Bring your kids up with each other and just say, Lord, what's your will? And we need to just, we need to do that. We need to say, this will happen, this will not happen. I've seen God honor it more times than I can count. Yep. Yep. He, he is, well, we know that he's saying we need to sometimes just speak directly to the mountain. Yes. He says something, sometimes we're not to talk to God about it. We talk right to the mountain. And then um, on page 78 and 79, he's saying that on one, two, the second paragraph on 78, he's saying we should declare, Lord, bind this and that. And then on page 79, ask the Lord such and such. So I'm just a little confused. How do we know what mountains we're supposed to talk to? Yeah, you know, that's the thing about this life, isn't it? <laughs> I wish I could give you a... Uh, you know what, Kathy? First of all, after I've petitioned and I've inquired and I've talked to the Lord that, you know, I, I, you move into authoritatively taking something, you know. And there are times when I don't know that you can make a hard and fast rule. I mean, there are times when I'm, I'm, I'm walking around and I'm still in the place where I'm, I'm asking, you know. Oh, well, I mean, so I put this down. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wanted to find something in here for you to, to read you, but I don't know if I'm honey. Uh, I, I did, I, I, I have found that 
I've tried to get my mind around that myself, and I, I'm going to tell you that I, I don't have a, an easy, unless somebody else in here has an answer for that. Joe has an answer for that. Okay. Please. Uh, what hit me is talking to the mountain is different than speaking to the mountain. I can have a great conversation with that mountain and end up in deeper doo-doo than if I, I, I could have this. I think I've done a lot of that. You know, just great conversations to that mountain. You're this, you're that, you know, why you doing this, all that kind of stuff. But I think we have to, by faith, and that can only be activated through what was spoken today about speaking to the mountain. Oh, I don't want to go there. That's faith. Oh, that, whoa, that, there's a cost involved. So I'd rather do A-W-O-L, not absent with leave, avoiding warfare opportunities because I'm lazy. I didn't hear that. I was reading. Uh, this is, you'll get this next chapter from... Uh, in, the, in the, this book, we're meant not only to inquire of the Lord and earnestly seek him, we're not only to pour out our hearts before him, but we're meant in the name of Christ to take action in the secret place of prayer. Our Lord taught us in the pattern prayer to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. This is a declaration. It's not a plea. Most people seem to think it's a plea. Please let thy kingdom come. Please let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But there is no please and there is no let. Thy kingdom come is a declaration. The Lord said, go out two by two in my name and say to them, the kingdom of God has come to you. Isn't that great? You'll get that chapter in the next. Joe. I have a word I believe the Lord gave me yesterday for us this morning. <clears throat> my children, you are to listen to my voice and not fear what is ahead. For this world is passing away and all that is in, in it. Do not hold on to the things I am shaking nor seek after them as they slip away because those who do will find themselves losing their footing and have removed themselves from the rock, which cannot be shaken. Beware of those who do not believe or trust in God, for they will, will and can <clears throat> easily lead you astray by their example. I say to you, look to me at every turn in the road, so that you will know the straight path, even though it may be steep and narrow. The other path will become wider and wider, and many will go down it seeking peace and security, but will only find the shadows of uncertainty leading into the darkness of despair. Do not think that the flesh will find it easy, and that is why you must rely and walk by my spirit, for in this you will find victory and the joy of your God and his godly comfort and peace. God, I believe, is mentoring us. In Revelation 5, it talks about the harp and bowl, intercession, prophetic intercession, merged with 
with uh, worship. He's mentoring his, his children. We are being trained to run against the footmen in the plains of the Jordan. But after that is coming the horsemen in the thickets of the Jordan. In Revelation 6, Jesus begins to break the seals and the horsemen are released. God is training his people <clears throat> for that time. The Lord whispered in my spirit, the horses are coming. A year and a half ago, he whispered very succinctly, devastation is coming. He even spelled it out letter by letter about the storms that would crisscross this nation and the things that would begin to occur. Just the other day, he whispered, the horses are coming. These are serious times, and these are training events <clears throat> which go on from day to day in our daily spiritual battles. We need to take these, every battle, seriously. The failures are the most important because they teach us. They teach us. God teaches us many times. He, 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 he teaches the disciples by the things that when they went out and they said, well, we did this and this and that, and, you know, he told them why. So anyway, I, I want to encourage you all to continue to press in. Loyalty on the earth right now, especially in this nation, is being shifted mm -hmm. from the things of God and the principles of God. Mm -hmm. And people empower darkness. They empower the spirits of darkness when they become loyal to the things of darkness. And when God's people are loyal to the things of his spirit and him, we empower him to move. And as we worship, he's looking for a whole heart. His eyes are going to and fro, looking for, for a heart that's completely his. When our hearts are completely his, power comes from God like lightning on the earth. Because our loyalty is completely his, we will see as there's a shift happening. One side or the other side. The Mount, Mount Carmel times are coming when we need to be those people of God who are loyal and trusting in him and see the lightning from heaven. God is going to be victorious. He, we, he is training us right now for Mount Carmel experiences. And we need to know that we will be victorious because he is our mighty warrior Amen. and he loves us. Amen. And it's interesting, uh, Elisha means uh, the Lord, he is God. And uh, the day is coming when that loyalty, and that's why if we don't do our work now <laughs> for all of our idolatry with our anything in our life, if we don't now start letting God break us of our idolatry, we're going to be more susceptible to, God forbid, move our loyalty. I mean, anybody who isn't have a 
healthy fear of the Lord, I worry about. Because he, I mean, I take that scripture for this church every day, Luke 21. Pray that you be found worthy to escape. And I pray it for my family. I pray for my youth, my church family. I mean, I think we could all do well. Lord, I want to be found. He's telling us to pray this. He's not saying be super spiritual and say bring it on. He's saying pray that you're worthy to escape because, brothers and sisters, we have no idea. And this isn't to frighten us, but everybody who, you know, I mean, um, Joe handed me this week. Thank you, Joe, from um, Gary Zalingo over at Smithtown Tabernacle. And I didn't hear the whole thing, but I mean, it was clear. You know what? Expect greater warfare this year in your life. I mean, um, so here we are this morning. Here we are. Thank God you got here. Give yourselves a hand. You got here this morning. Amen. But we've got to do our homework, and we've got to do our lessons, and we've got to stick together, and we've got to, we've got to be sure. Yeah? Jesus, as a matter of fact, right there. Embrace this guideline. Really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No shuffling or shilly, shilly gag, shallying. Oh, shilly, shilly shallying, yeah. And it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large. Include everything as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. Whatever place prayer holds in your life, in my life today, it's, gonna, it's just going to increase and increase. God is, that we'll find will be reduced and prayer will be the only thing, you know, prayer and worship. You know, somebody said worship is kind of the ballistic, it, it kind of takes the, the prayer and shoots it through the atmosphere. We need worship in, in prayer. They go together as we see it with the harp and bowls. Who else had their hand raised? They want to say something. Mary, I forgot Vanna White is over there. On Thursday, uh, Kai woke up with a pretty high temperature. And um, that day I stayed home. I worked from home. I was very fortunate to do that. And uh, I started reading the, the handout we got on Wednesday. And um, normally that, that, eve, that night I would have prayed, Lord, please heal Kai. But that night I prayed differently. I, I spoke directly to the fever to... to to be removed Ooh, from him and the next morning he woke up had no medication in him and he woke up with 98 degrees of temperature oh, and uh immediately i thought yeah and then right after it's I, I, the, the doubts came in and uh they came and that that was the natural cause of it and so i'm mm-hmm. i'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. still in, in that, that phase I, I because i prayed with um, authority and i knew i prayed with authority i i have to reassess my my own doubts about that and the other thing about praying to to move a mountain that that i just wanted to share is when climbers go up to to climb uh, the himalayans yeah they're not going right away they they train over time Mm. and i also had the thought we as christians are we supposed to pray now um the smaller mountains to be removed further are we going to be radical going up against the big mountains Yes. Just a couple of thoughts I had. Yes, thank you, Brenda. That's great. 
Thank you for sharing that. Anybody else? Dana. like it's a silly thing, but, you know, when God reveals it, I found that um, my asking, I wasn't asking, I was, like what Joe was talking about before, but I was, I would state a problem, but I wasn't really asking God to fix it. Mm. I was like, well, you know, this is going on, and this is going on, and, and, you know, and I'm praying, supposedly, but I found recently that the asking became different, you know, that I was, and, and then, uh, then I realized you know, my own doubt and unbelief, my own, you know, it, it, it uncovered things in my own heart, why I wasn't really asking. Mm. But it was just interesting um, that I've just found myself that I wasn't really asking God, mm-hmm. you know, to change it or what, you know, just to go deeper. That was Good it. Insight. How many of you have ever seen yourself, pray yourself out of faith? Have you ever done that? Do you know what I'm talking about? You prayed and you, ha- you know, you feel like you've come to a place of, and then you keep praying. And you really pray away your faith doing that. It, when it comes time to, to change your prayer to praise and taking it, you keep praying, you're lo- you, you, your faith goes right out the door. in subjection to God's authority, mm-hmm. we cannot exercise authoritative prayer. We should be subject, subject not only to God's authority positionally, but also in our daily life and practices. Otherwise, we will not have authoritative prayer. I felt almost like defeated by that because um, I still have a lot of, you know, things that are not right with me and crap. <laughs> So now I'm feeling hesitant. I don't. I, I better not dare even try praying in authority, because the demons will know you, you've got a lot of crap still. So I'm a little bit confused in that area. Who is? Who can pray with authority? I mean, if you are walking with God and there's nothing that God has said to you that you're saying, God, I don't care what you say. I'm doing this anyway. I mean, right. we're all we're all working with things, Kathy. As long as you, there's a sense of submission in your heart, in your home, with each other, in the church among the brethren, that's our covering. That's what I was thinking because uh, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe the answer then is, is long, like the hidden. He talks about the hidden things. I don't want to We hide. all have hidden things. Yeah, yeah, we all have hidden But I think it would you But they're hidden from us, is what I'm saying. You know, we don't all know the stuff that's right, in us. And don't. God's so good, he doesn't right. overwhelm us all at once to, to you know. Do know some of those hidden things, but is it? Would you agree that as long as we're in openness with a safe person and confessing our sins, as long as I'm in openness here, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm making, I'm getting my my um, my slate clean with the Lord, you know, all the time. Lord, I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me, uh, Lord. I know you're talking to me about this. Thank you for your mercy. I, I really want you to have your way in my life. But listen, you know, you know what the church really does need to? The church really needs a message uh, on the, taking your place as crucified in Christ. Because if you're trying to stand against any of your stuff on the wrong ground and saying, uh, and you're using your willpower uh, in you know, smoking or uh, your temper or whatever, you, you know, we're trying to battle in our lives, we're doing it, if we're doing it 
not, again, in the position of, the, of what is true in Jesus, you are setting yourself up for. I mean, what's the difference between a person who's saved and unsaved if you're going to use your willpower to do it? But when you take your place in the cross and say, Lord, I take my place. Col Colossians 3 says, since you've been, you know, since you've been died in Christ, now put away these things. So you put away those things by saying, uh, you no longer have a hold on me. I, I was crucified with Christ. So you've always, you, you, you're always coming from that position of... of absolutely. And he, it, absolutely. Unless there's something so glaring in, in your life that says, God, I know God's saying this and I don't care. You know? You know? Other than that, even when I'm working on something, I say, Lord, I know you really asked me to... You know, I know I should be extending my prayer times when I'm working on it, God, but have mercy on me. I mean, he's heard those prayers from me many times. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I think God has a birth of grace and mercy for us. You know? Sure. The, the thing that I see with that is uh, when you mentioned safe people, right? You said safe people. And safe people. That's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Safe people. You know, uh, the tendency with Christianity, I think, uh, among Christians, is and I've been there many times over the years, is that I could be with what I call a safe person and have conversation about my offenses when you brought messages on offenses, which were great. And you're really just talking about the offenses with a safe person. I'm not getting anywhere. Yeah. I yeah. end the conversation, I had the diner experience and I'm home mm -hmm. and I'm still carrying all the offenses. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's that's something that brings confusion because you might you might uh, stay in that kind of uh, frame, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. I know that's, that's been a, a Waterloo area for my life, mm -hmm. you know, that... Uh, so that you're not just sitting and commiserating with each other about... Yeah, But yeah. you're really, you're open... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm so jealous of, absolutely. the safe people. As one of your pastors, Kathy, I can tell you, I don't see that in your life at all. I see you as somebody who wants God and is under the covering of the church here so I, I i think that's an i think that's just the devil trying to again he'll do anything to get us on to back up and not move in our you know in, in our position in christ you know yeah uh, i just wanted to re-emphasize what you stated in the beginning about learning how to discern the accusations because that yeah. is just you know you do walk around in a fog and then all of a sudden you realize just wait a minute yeah. That, that was one point. And the other is, at the end of walking with God, John Eldridge has a prayer that is so yes. incredible. Yes. You can get it, you can download it from his yes. website. It takes about 20 minutes to go yes. through it. But he literally goes through yeah. every step of the Lord's work for us and brings you out standing in the resurrection yeah. victory. And I, I you know, not Nan, to be religious about it. I so appreciate that prayer, and it's not living for me. I tried it. I mean, so, you know, it's funny how we're all different. I, I wish it was. I mean, you're right. It's so, it is so exactly our stand. It's, he, he's done such a wonderful well, job. Well, I think because you have revelation of it. But I know for me, okay. before I was really understanding all of those concepts okay. as I prayed it and meditated on Great. it. Great. The Lord revealed to me some of the reality of those of awesome. the resurrection and where I should be standing. So, awesome. not to be religious about it, but yes. I, I think it might be a good exercise to kind of get our yes. get us running. You you're know, right. Prime the pump. You're right. You're right. That's a, it, you're absolutely right. It's it's a good teaching just to go through that 
that prayer and just to take your stand. Oh, okay. So we can get anybody wants it, we can give it to them. Okay. Yes. Yes. You had said to me something earlier this week about overcomer, and that word just so stood out to me. And then we were reading this, and over and over, he's talking about the overcomer, the overcomer, the overcomer. And when you brought that word at the table on Wednesday night, which, I mean, if anybody was here, did you feel like you just left and went to heaven, like we just left this realm? I mean, there was something about just speaking that name of Jesus the way you did over and over and over and over again. You just felt like this overcoming power of Jesus, that it wasn't me. It was like, I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me, and that's the overcomer. And when I read this about, I felt like that was the focus. It was like, I want to be an overcomer in every area. You know, I don't want to be this, uh, you know, left behind, you know, what's that movie, The Left Behinds or whatever, you know, like you just feel, I want to be an overcomer in every area. And if you're not hidden in Christ and don't know that position of who you are in Christ, you're not going to get there by, because you're in some fleshly worked up state of thinking, yeah, I'm going to overcome. It's that place of being hidden in Christ and knowing his name. Barbara, I know your name, Barbara. Last week in my quiet time, I'm always asking the Lord, I'm always asking the Lord to um, reveal to me things that displease him, things he needs to work on and get rid of. And I felt him say to me that there was like a dark spot in me, something that I don't know about, and that he wanted to take this and that this was like a plug that needed to be pulled out because it was preventing him from doing all that he wanted to do in my life. But it was like he was saying, I want your permission. You have to want me to do this. And I said, yes, Lord. I said, just take the dagger and stab it in there, cut it out. And um, I just waited. And I, I guess after five minutes or so, I just felt this jolt go right through me. And I was different. Something happened. He did something. But it was him. It was his work and something that I didn't know about. And he wanted to do this. I just wanted to encourage you with that. Marvelous. You know, Wednesday, I told you, I'm just going to tell the church on Sunday that this Wednesday there'll be some teaching. I, I probably, um, I think I'm going to use a DVD by Robert Morris uh, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So ne this Wednesday we're going to show some of it and we're going to start praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, the next two Wednesdays. So I say that, Barbara, to say we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're going to see more supernatural things, I think. Um, you know, I think things that took us years in counseling... God wants to take care of real, you know, in, in one, you know, uh, word from his mouth and, and, and things change. Thank you, Barbara. That's great. Cease.